Hey, thanks for joining us this week here at New Love in Christ Church. We are so excited you decided to join us. We believe God has something special in store. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us on our website at newlovecc.org or here at the church building in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, every Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our contemporary service. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope God blesses you and have a great day. Well, thank you for joining us again this week as we continue our series on understanding our times. And today we want to uh, deal with one of the issues of our times as we uh, look at the scriptures uh, to consider together uh, some of the things that Jesus said and, and taught us. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together uh, in your presence. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us uh, once again to understand the scriptures, help us to hear your voice and apply your words, your teachings, uh, Lord Jesus, to our lives. For in your name we ask it. Amen. Well, you know, when my mother was uh, in junior high school in Middletown, Pennsylvania, uh, she befriended the only African-American uh, student in her class at the time. She was in eighth grade, and when she was seen walking down the street with this girl that no one else seemed to want to uh, befriend, it was reported back to her aunt that my mother was living with her aunt, and she told her she didn't want to hear that she was spending time with her or being a friend and seen walking around with her. How sad, how tragic when a woman like my mother who was raised to uh, be a Christian and to love others is, is told you can't love that person. When I was in third or fourth grade, we got a new student in our uh, rural elementary school, Londonderry Elementary School, had about 180 uh, children and Willie Smith came into our class and Willie was an African-American boy and we thought for some time that he was mute because he was so frightened, so self-conscious, so fearful that he would not talk. He eventually began to give one-word answers to uh, questions, but uh, try as I might to be friendly to him and uh, get uh, to know Willie, he never really opened up. He was there for a, a couple of years and said almost nothing. And of course, we all know the, the reason for that, the self-consciousness, the, the fear of the attitudes of others uh, toward him, uh, brought me to feel and wonder what it must be like to be a minority. And then later in, in life, I uh, made a deep friendship with Roger Thomas, an African-American pastor and evangelist who was at our home when our children were small. And Roger and I uh, didn't realize we were doing it, but we both ended up wearing the uh, distinct pinstripe dark blue suits that were in vogue at the time. And I made a joke and said, Roger, people are going to think we're twins when they see this. And we were laughing, and my young son, I believe he was eight years old at the time, he said, well, Dad, people are not going to think you're twins. And I and my wife both 
were waiting for what he would say next, and he said simply, well, Roger's way taller than you are. You couldn't be twins. And so we were, we were uh, just elated that our, our young son uh, had that take on us being twins. But, you know, we're living in a day when uh, racism and prejudice and discrimination is again in the headlines and on the news for nearly two months now here in America. We've had uh, riots and, and uh, protests, people trying to express their anguish at what they experience in going through life. And I decided I needed to preach a, a message on this. And then I received uh, in the email uh, from Dr. Etienne Kofi a 13-page white paper. Now, we've supported Dr. Uh, Kofi for a, a long time. He's a Bible translator, uh, and he's a professor of linguistics, and he translated the scriptures, the whole New Testament, into the language of his people after giving them a written language. And for many years, we've supported him, and he was able to uh, send the, the New Testament just, just several years ago uh, for his own people. And so he wrote this paper responding to the, the tragic uh, event that led to the protests here in America. And he said, I, I want to submit this for uh, a closer look at Jesus' model of racial reconciliation. And he gives a unique take, and I wanted to share with you the essence of, of his paper that uh, we can make available for those wanting the whole thing as well. But he says that Jesus lived in a racially and ethnically divided culture. The Jews and the Samaritans, basically, uh, were a different ethnic group, uh, different uh, in part, by race and part by culture, and they couldn't stand each other. They really couldn't stand each other, the Jews and Samaritans. And, and so we find this story in Luke chapter 9. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up uh, to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. He was heading through the Samaritan territory to the Jewish capital, and so they didn't welcome him. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Do you want us to bring lightning down to destroy these people? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. And some of the later manuscripts give a little commentary and say that Jesus went on to say specifically, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But this was the attitude. The Samaritans didn't want Jesus to stay because he was heading up to Jerusalem. And Jesus, two of his disciples, say, do you want us to destroy them for their rejection of you? And he says, of course not. He rebuked them. He rebuked his disciples for their prejudice, for their hatred, for their willingness to bring God's judgment on these Samaritan people. Now, uh, Coffee 
uh, or rather Dr. Etienne, last name is Kofi or Kofi, and we often uh, call him that. But, but he says, here's the history. Here's the history of the Samaritans. There was 750 years of ethnic conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And in 2 Kings and Ezra and Nehemiah, we find uh, these truths revealed, and I'll just uh, go over them quickly. Uh, the Jewish people were divided into two different kingdoms after the death of Solomon. The northern kingdom became known as Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Samaria became the capital city of the northern kingdom. And later on, the whole area between Galilee and Judea was called Samaria after the name of their, their capital. And so the people became known eventually as Samaritans because the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians at about 722 B.C. And they dragged tens of thousands of them off to Assyria. They brought colonizers in from other areas of the Assyrian Empire and they settled them, resettled them in Israel. And so it became a multi-ethnic region with the native Jews that they had left behind when they uh, carried most of them away and the colonists and then the children born of mixed marriages that happened between the Jews and the uh, Assyrians who were brought into that region. And then again, in, in uh, 597, the Babylonians came and carried away the Jews of the southern kingdom. But the Samaritans mixed Judaism and other religions that were brought in by the Assyrians, and that was abhorrent to the Jews that remained. And eventually, the Jews of the southern kingdom came back from that Babylonian exile. And we read in Ezra that the Samaritans wanted to help in rebuilding the temple, but uh, the leaders, Zerubbabel, said, no way, uh, you are not pure Jews, you don't uh, have the Jewish religion anymore, you've mixed it up with all of these false uh, gods and religions. And so the Samaritans tried to stop them from building the temple. They actually delayed it for about 10 years, and eventually... Uh, a Samaritan leader even tried to assassinate Nehemiah who came and led the rebuilding of the city and the walls and the temple. And later the Greeks and Romans conquered the whole area and the northern uh, kingdom became Galilee, the southern kingdom Judah, and Samaria was sandwiched in between these two areas where the, the Jews lived and you had the Samaritan people. Over the centuries, the relationship just broke down more and more, worse and worse, and the uh, attitude was just one of outright rejection and hatred. The ethnic conflict between Jews and Samaritans was... was uh, Reflected in the New Testament, we've read uh, that story from Luke chapter 9 about uh, the Samaritans. And, and I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to, to John chapter 8. And here in John uh, chapter 8, we'll uh, look uh, quickly at a series of verses where Jesus is uh, speaking to people and he's claiming some things about himself and claiming his identity and the Jews reject what he's saying about himself in verse 48 it says aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and a demon possessed 
Jesus said, I'm not possessed by a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. But here's the word that they used for Jesus. He was called the S word. Uh, we have, of course, the N word is a derogatory slur. And in ancient Israel, in Jesus' day, the S word, calling somebody was a Samaritan, a Samaritan was the worst thing the Jews could do. And so they called Jesus a Samaritan. They said, we're right in saying you're a, you're a Samaritan. You're a, a, a low-down Samaritan. Jesus didn't answer them on that, in that regard, but he said, I'm not demon-possessed. In fact, I'm here seeking God's glory, and he's the judge. And if people accept the truth that I bring them, I'm telling you the truth. If you keep my word, my words, my teachings, you'll never see death. Well, why did they call him a Samaritan? Why did they use that S word for Jesus? Well, it was because he loved Samaritans. Now, Jesus didn't say that he loved Samaritans, but he lived it out. He demonstrated it. And he told stories, stories we call the Good Samaritan, and he talked about the Grateful Samaritan. And we'll look just uh, quickly at those in Luke chapter 10. We find the story of the very famous uh, parable of the uh, Good Samaritan. And Jesus is answering a question. One of his fellow Jews, actually an expert in the Jewish law, the law of the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the law of God, he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I live forever? How can I inherit the gift of eternal life? And Jesus said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he must have suspected that he wasn't really loving his neighbor the way he loved himself. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, and you know the story, they beat him and they left him lying there along the road, half dead. A Jewish priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, a good Jewish Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, the Samaritans that they hated, Jesus says, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, though his theology was all messed up, and though he believed like other Samaritans things that were not biblical, he took pity on the man. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey. He walked the rest of the way and left this man ride. He took him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. A Jewish man beaten along the roadside, one who would scorn him. He said, whatever the cost, I'll cover. Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which one? loved his neighbor 
as himself. The expert in the law replied, as he had to, the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even bring himself, wouldn't bring himself to say the Samaritan. He said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You be like that Samaritan. You imitate that Samaritan. Wow, that was hard for a Jew to take. Jesus uh, told that parable intentionally, uh, conveyed his, his thoughts, his beliefs, and what he wanted people to understand about loving your neighbor and about who is your neighbor. And then he, he talked, uh, giving a testimony about some men that he healed in Luke 17. Verse 11, it says, He was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests, as you had to by Jewish law. Go get examined. As they went, they were cleansed so that the, they could be declared clean after who knows how many years for each of them being unclean. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He's a Samaritan. And he's the only one of the ten who thanked God, praised God, came back and thanked Jesus for being that instrument of God in his life to bless him. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Because the Jews considered Samaritans foreigners. They were another ethnic group, another group of people. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. But Jesus makes the Samaritan, well, he simply reports that the Samaritan is the one grateful to God, the one who came back and praised and gave thanks and thanked Jesus, the Son of God, who, who healed him. Well, that didn't sit well with the Jews, with most of the Jews who had the common attitude of, of their day. And Jesus deliberately traveled through Samaria at one point, and he engaged the Samaritans spiritually, and he requested and accepted their hospitality. Jews didn't travel through Samaria unless they absolutely have to. They, they would go miles out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. But Jesus went through, and we find the result of that in John chapter 4. It says he had to go through Samaria. He decided deliberately to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph his well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? He asks her to extend hospitality to him. Her response is quite natural. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. A Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? How can you ask me for a drink? You know the 
the prejudice, the animosity between our groups. You know about the conflicts that there's been over 700 years, and, and you have the nerve to ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so he begins this spiritual conversation with this scorned Samaritan woman. He goes on. We read to say to this woman who challenges him in verse 20, she says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. They got into a religious discussion about the conflicts and arguments between the Jews and Samaritans. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, our ancestors, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. But they didn't want Samaritans worshipping in the temple either. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. He was honest. You, you don't know what we Jews know. We worship what we do know, what God's revealed, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, she's impressed. His disciples return and she goes back to the village and says, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? Because they still had that much of Judaism that they were looking for a, a Messiah to come. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. These Samaritans who didn't want anything to do with Jews. And then it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Now, Jesus may well have been the first Jew that stayed in the Samaritan village overnight in who knows how many centuries. The hatred was so deep. And because of his words, many more Samaritans became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know this man really is the Savior of of the world, the world, not just the Jews, but the world, us Samaritans too. Jesus taught and he modeled and he commanded ethnic inclusivity. He wanted everyone ultimately included in his kingdom and in the family of God. And we, we know that that's uh, true from Acts chapter 1. After Jesus is resurrected from the dead, he tells his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. There are those Samaritans again. And Jesus says, you're going to be witness to them. This church that's developing now under the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be witnesses not only to Judea and the Jews, but to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We call that the, the Great Commission, but he specifically says, Samaria, you're going to witness to those folks, and I am commanding you to do that, and the Holy Spirit's going to direct you and guide you and empower you to do that. And if you, we turn uh, just a little bit further in the book of Acts to, to chapter 8, we find that uh, 
The church is persecuted and scattered. And those who had been scattered, in verse 4 of chapter 8, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard him, saw the signs that he did, saw evil spirits come out and people be healed, there was great joy in that city. And they believed because why? Jesus loved Samaritans. Jesus wanted them to hear the truth. He wanted them to be saved. And we can go on in that uh, same chapter. It tells us in verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Peter and John go down and they begin to see what God is doing. And it says in verse 25, when they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem to the Jewish capital, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages along the way. Because they get it. They know that God cares about, loves, and sent Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world. The Jews and also these Samaritans who had their beliefs mixed up with foreign gods' beliefs and all of those things, and they were intermarried with these uh, pagans who were brought in and settled in their land, and, and so they were not seen as, as true Jews anymore. There was way too much uh, distance between them. But Jesus taught you love them. Jesus gave positive examples of, of Samaritans. And, and this was the black-white, black-and-white issue of, of Jesus' day. As we speak of, of blacks and whites in America, the Jews and the Samaritans were just at each other's throats. They did not like one another. And Jesus said, that's not the way it's to be. Jesus loved and died for every race, every ethnic group. The Bible says that and, and makes it so clear in Revelation 7-9 at the very conclusion of the Bible. John is, is having his, his vision. It's being revealed to him what goes on in, in heaven. And He says in verse 9 of chapter 7, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, beyond count, from every nation, every tribe, every people every language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, a symbol of their, their purity, their holiness, because God has cleansed them and clothed them in robes of white, holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, these people from every ethnic group, every race, every possibility, they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation to the Lamb of God, to the Lord Jesus who gave his life as the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world. Jesus loved them from all races, died for them. And he said that the second greatest commandment, only after the commandment, uh, to love God. The second greatest commandment is, is this. In Matthew chapter 22, it says an expert in the law asked him a similar question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he replied, 
Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, whoever he is, whoever she is. You love them the way you love yourself. He said you treat them the way you want to be treated. In Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. That's how you relate to other people as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. You see, the love of Christ, when it fills our heart, it leaves no room for prejudice, for racial animosity. It leaves no room for racism. It just doesn't. There's no place for it in the heart of Jesus. There's no place for it in the heart of his followers. A heart filled with love, filled with the holy love of God, has no room for racism, for ethnic discrimination, for any of those things that that tear our world apart, our our society apart, that break relationships between people and, and nations. So I just ask you now to to bow with me and join in in prayer. Let's examine ourselves and in prayer reflect on racial discrimination that's part of, unfortunately, our our nation, its history, and it can be part of our our hearts, but God doesn't want it to be there, and and so uh, let's Just bow and and pray together. Father, the murder of George Floyd has caused much introspection and reflection about the racial discrimination that that remains in America. And Lord, we know that it's good to examine ourselves according to your word, to look at ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us as Christians to, to take this opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, Lord, to reveal any remnants of prejudice and unforgiveness where we may be in uh, those situations where we've been sinned against by others. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would convict us of racial prejudice, of unforgiveness, Lord, help us to uh, truly repent. Wherever you point to those things, Lord, that we are not conscious of, bring them to the surface, Lord. Help us uh, to be convicted wherever we are, are sinners in this way, in this form. For we know that Jesus taught us so differently, demonstrated in, in his life what We need to reflect as we interact with others, Lord, literally, as we love them, as we love ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be reconciled where there may uh, be conflict with one of another ethnicity or race. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before you and recognize your love for every person of every race, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. We thank you in Jesus' name, that you speak to us and show us the way. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.